0: I've partnered with Foria Wellness, which is a CBD brand that makes really beautiful self-care products, um, luxury type of things that can help relax you. Um, They make a really nice bath salt um, a wonderful hand salve really thick nourishing hand salve they make CBD lube they make CBD suppositories that are one of the only things that I've found that help with my cramps and they help so fast it's pretty incredible Um, and now they also make suppositories for for butts Um, There is a link for that uh, in the show notes, and when you shop through that link, we get a little kickback, so that helps us out, and you get some nice stuff. I've also partnered with Lust Cinemas and all their related, uh, they have several different sort of production companies. I'm not sure if they're distinct production companies, but there's X Confessions, there's uh, less cinemas, and then they have a soft core. Also, so if you like to watch sexy films um, that you know are ethically made and people are paid well, um, I've intimacy coordinated on some of these sets, and I can tell you it's really impressive how they how they run how they run their shoots, um, and they make really great content. Um, so I also have a twenty percent off link to that and the links in the show notes will automatically apply that discount so that's another way to help the show out and get something for yourself i have a few classes coming up to share with you there is boundaries and consent for people pleasers happening again um that is uh that starts october 5th it's a five-week class There is Authenticity in Social Media, which is a two-day that I'm co-teaching with Afomia Hyla Meskel. That is November 7th and 8th. That is a great fit for anyone um, trying to promote a business on social media and who wants to find their voice and some authentic branding and marketing. It's also great for artists who are looking to showcase your work, Um, writers, comedians, performers, musicians, visual artists. Um sex workers, anyone uh, who wants to communicate what you're doing uh, with an audience on social media, not lose yourself in the process, um, not burn out uh, and really find authentic ways to do that. I'm doing uh, the yes to no spectrum for practitioners, which was called train the trainer in the past. Uh, a five-day intensive, November 6th through 10th. That's a really great fit for anyone who does one-on-one coaching or counseling therapists, um, sex workers, practitioners of all kinds, body workers, etc., um, also, anyone who teaches groups, so if you're a life skills teacher, a sex educator, anything like that, um, it's going to be really in-depth around the yes spectrum, practice exercises to bring it into the body, um, frequently asked questions, uh, best practices for teaching, so on and so forth. That's a really great one happening in November and then we moved grief with Brooke this was announced in the last podcast episode but in case you were on the newsletter or on Instagram grief with Brooke is now October uh, November 8th that's a four-week class but we're going to skip the week of Thanksgiving Um, that class will support with all the grief that comes up through the boundaries and consent learning journey uh, loss of relationships loss of um, past versions of yourself, uh, grief for how different your life could have been, Brooke creates a really beautiful space to navigate those feelings uh, and and practice and create rituals for yourself to move through that. All of that is available through the links in the show notes, as well as my workbooks. I have Boundaries and Consent, the general one. I have one for people pleasers. Um, an unblocked one for moving through creative blocks and boundaries and your business. And I also offer one-on-one coaching on boundaries in your business and figuring out what it is that you want to offer and how to market that. Um, I offer one-on-one coaching, unblocked coaching for moving through creative blocks for artists of all kinds. And I also offer consent lessons for cis men Boundary coaching coaching sessions for everybody, and I have space for a few more new clients. Um, All of that information is through my website, consentwizardry.com. Ways to support the show and this work, of course, financially, I really appreciate it um, through subscribing on Instagram or the Patreon, uh, but also not financially really helpful to write a review rate the show share it with friends join the newsletter forward that to people in your life um, tell your boss about consent wizardry about me i can come give um, do workshops give talks things like that i'm also available to speak at colleges and universities there are ways to make a one-time or a sustaining donation on my website as well through the shop And I have some cool hats that say share the load, and I said no, and there's some t-shirts and posters and things. Um, So those are other great ways to support the show. I also still very much need funding for my musical. The GoFundMe link for that is in the show notes. Um, I have to finish recording the soundtrack, which is, uh, some of you may know, horribly expensive. Um I have to go back to New York to do some more rehearsals and I'm trying to go to Edinburgh for the Fringe Fest next year uh doing a solo version of the show. So all of this costs, you know, so much money, so much money. It all costs money. Uh so anything helps really. I so appreciate anything you can give. All right, let's go. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to pick the brownie out of my teeth.
0: Well, do it. You have brownie for breakfast? It's like one of these like
1: bullshit like protein brownie muffin cups. I'm obsessed with them. Oh, you're like Soylent Boy. Oh my God, if I could literally take a pill instead of having to like actually forage for my food. How long have humans been on this planet? And I have to like- And we can't figure it out. So I'm like, you want me to do, I have to go to a store to buy things. And And then then I have to cook it? I have to turn those things into- And then I have to clean it up. This is (laughs) bullshit. They're like, we need sex AI robots. I'm like, no, can we solve
0: the inconvenience of having to feed myself? I know. I'm with you a lot of the time. And then other times I'm like, wow. But I love like, you know, really good. I mean, a steak. I just, I'll say it like every time. I just love a steak. I love steak so much.
1: I like to dine. Like I like to go. We're so bougie. Like I like to go to a (laughs) restaurant.
0: (laughs) you know what i mean it's 10 a.m and you have like your diet coke and you're like we're so bougie yeah i'm like still in a bathrobe with like snotty tissues right next to me (laughs) covered in cats yeah this is
1: life this is yeah i i this is my my like deeply autistic (laughs) sweater it's like my i think i probably wore this last time too it's very like I don't what it's like pilling. <gasps> Who's this? This is Lucy. Lucy,
0: I can yeah. see your buttons, buttons
1: right over here. Lucy it's, is a little bit. She's got that that tuxedo cat energy where she likes she likes attention. She's like, oh, are we on a? We're talking now.
0: Okay, I can. Oh her. yeah. I mean, she is very. Uh, she gets very jealous, and she's very um, needy. <laughs> okay, we have to start speaking about things that we are supposed to speak about i'm literally forgot uh, recording already. Right. well i'm mia i'll start over i'm mia <laughs> the twink half of this podcast your, your turn okay uh, i'm
1: risden and i'm a whore, a whore. yeah I'm, I'm the other half
0: of this podcast great <laughs> and this podcast for anyone listening is called you're, you're doing, doing it, wrong. it wrong and we certainly are oh yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: um okay well breaking news we both made out with people this week <laughs> <laughs> start on a high note
1: yeah yeah, yeah i am i don't know if you can be hung over from making out with somebody but that's how i feel I feel I think like,
0: you can be hung over from like hormone,
1: you know, surging. Yeah, yeah. I think this is, you know what this is? It's like, there was definitely a little bit of like a sub drop thing happening or like subspace. And I don't, I don't feel emotionally wrecked, but I feel um, profoundly stupid and bimbified. That's how I feel. I feel lobotomized in an extremely um, hot way.
0: Yeah, yeah. That sounds really hot. It's
1: going to be, it's going to be great until about two o'clock this afternoon when I'm just am walking into walls. Yeah. And you
0: may or may not remember recording this podcast. I literally keep forgetting in this moment that we're recording. This. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: keep being like, did we start?
0: We did. We did. Great. Um, do you want to like say anything about your makeout this week? Just we say, don't have to. I mean, I I, I guess I I'll just
1: say uh, he fine as hell. That's it yeah I mean I've seen
0: pictures yeah it's, it's true
1: so cute like midwestern sweetie boy I'm just I'm probably gonna scare the shit out of him but so far he's scaring the shit out of me and I love it yeah here. yeah well and that's what
0: that's what we want right that's
1: what we want I want to be <laughs> for you yes I want, I want <laughs> in, in a
0: contained theater of created fear that's yes yeah. yes um <laughs> Perhaps with um, our buzzword, consent. Oh, yeah.
1: Question Looks like a pre-negotiated fear. Fear, yeah, yeah
0: look at that. Mm. Um, I made out with a stranger at a bar. I don't think oh. I've ever done that in my entire life. She but was it's- so cute. And it was, like, facilitated amazingly by this boy who i had matched with on field like a year ago and never talked to and he like made it happen for us he like went and told her that i thought she was cute and then like she came back in and like i, I don't know i don't want to i'm not like ready to because we're hanging out still like we yeah. are now hanging out in like true dyke fashion right it's like casual into what now <laughs> yeah so she's moving in
1: um yeah. <laughs> Also, I want to say, uh, Field, please sponsor this
0: podcast. Oh God, yeah, please. <laughs> well, but that was like the key, like in terms of Field and dating apps. Like, I was so enjoying, and I actually just like messaged him on on Instagram to be like, "This is like how dating apps work in like uh, surprising and mysterious ways, where like you and I met on Field, and then you facilitated this other thing for me, like." only because we met on field did this happen, you know? Yeah, I think, Um, you know,
1: we were talking about this earlier too. This, I like, I, I think, I doubt I am alone in this thing where I get very attached to ideas of what's best for me and what I want and what it's supposed to look like. And then the way that the universe God reality works is you meet people and they end up being different than what you expected, but still kind of magic-y and kismet.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that I, I really resonate with that. Um. Anyway, that's fine. No, everything's like, right with the world because yeah, because we, we made have, out with people this week. We have we have
1: uh, orgasms coming down the pike most likely. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. I think I've like been very interested in being sluttier. <laughs> sluttier. Sluttier. Yes. And have I don't know I'm like in my 30s gotten like shyer than ever oh yeah what's that about well you know there's a few things that feel really like clear and obvious to me and then there's other things that I don't know I still can't quite figure out I used to be so forward and so assertive like I would leave my phone number in tip jars and like, you know, on, on checks at restaurant or like. So you were uh, like non-binary, um, <laughs> for all sex in the city, Samantha, You were uh-huh. like putting it out there. I really was. I was like very forward and very clear and very much like, I want this and I'm going to, you know, yeah. um, and then, well, okay. So like a few very, clear things happened. I got incredibly sick, like Mm, towards the end of my twenties, you know, illness that I had like mysterious undiagnosed illness just got worse and worse and worse, like very, very fast. It got really bad. Um, and then it was like right around 30, I'd have to do some math, but I'm pretty sure that's true where Mm. I both got my diagnoses and then went through like really intense treatment that shut down my libido like I had no not even and it's really interesting like it wasn't just like I didn't feel horny um and like didn't even want to masturbate but it was like I didn't even have like the energy you know like the tingly like vibes going out or coming in where like I would I didn't meet a single person who even sparked my interest. And it wasn't like for lack of people, you know, it was like, I wasn't seeing this whole part of my life had like just shut down. Like the dial got turned way, way down, if not off. So then like, yeah. Well, just bringing that back online was really hard, but also like, as that was all happening, I was also training to be an intimacy coordinator and learning a lot about consent. And I think I went through this phase that actually, I think this phase would be a really good thing for us to talk about. And I think you have a lot of insight on it with the population that you work with this. Like I started to get, uh, I see this a lot with people who learn about consent, like at the beginning where there's this sudden kind of like constant hand wringing about like, is this okay? Like, am I allowed to act like this? Can I, you know, it, can I put my hand on your shoulder without permission, you know, like just, just super duper um, hand wringing nervousness um, around crossing boundaries. And I think a lot of that comes from like losing trust that anyone can say, no to you and also like forgetting that you're allowed to have needs. So those things were all happening at the same time and then covid happened. <laughs> God was like got it down. Yeah, like Mia, you thought you could have sex now? <laughs> Cuz I went I went for like I went to so with the illness I went for I believe it was about a year without having sex or dating. Like I would like go on dates and like not be interested at all. Um, So I went for almost a year without having sex. And then I got about nine months of kind of coming back online after like this really intense treatment and feeling like I'm back in my body. I'm feeling sexy. I'm connecting with people. And then COVID happened. And then I went like 15 months without even kissing anybody. You were living with your, your family too, right? For the first like four months, but then I moved out, um, in August of 2020 and I, you know, I was dating and I just like, was not, I mean, I, I felt, I started to feel very, very, very protective of like my intimacy and my vulnerability. I think I had realized that I had been giving a lot of that away because it feels so good like the high of being very very vulnerable with someone Mm -hmm. um but then you know like three weeks in or whatever getting this kind of like hit by a truck feeling of like I hardly even know this person and I've been you know I've been sleeping next to them I've been like you know cuddling with like so so yeah I just I started like all of this stuff kind of lent itself towards me getting very very protective of my immediate bubble and like what's inside, you know, um, but it came with getting, yeah, like really shy and really uh, closed off and nervous. I think it's part of too, just like getting older. Like I remember
1: being more forward to like 19, 20, like I went to some dinner with my parents and I thought the waiter was cute. And I was very, for lack of a better word, like naive and experienced at the time. And and like, just kind of directly asking him out in front of my family, like almost <laughs> like, you know, just being like, would you like to take me out sometime? And he was oh, like, yeah, and I was like, all right, here's my number. Like, what? I don't know. Um, and like, I, I wonder too, if some of this is like, you know, when you were talking about what it was like for you when you were super sick, like falling in love requires like an, a lot of brain energy, mm-hmm. like neurobiologically. there's just like a whole fucking takeover that happens in like the limerent state. And like, the, you know, we have all these colloquialisms about love. Like the French say, um, love is thinning, but they don't Mm -hmm. mean like in a good way. They mean like, it will make you like skin and bones. Like Mm it will take away from you. You know what I mean? Um, and I had this acting teacher who used to say, uh, what is it? He was like, love is disrupting. Like it is like, even if it's this incredible experience, it's like, it shakes up your routine and and whatever so like if things if you are like you're trying to get well
0: right? yes
1: i remember you like you said a lot of that for you was like this extreme hypervigilance around like the yeah. food and things are going through so it's like i feel like love is almost the opposite of hypervigilance. you have to be very like surrendered and kind of free and sort of like you know you can't it's it's really hard to maybe be in both those states and maybe your brain your soul or body whatever was like we gotta shut this the fuck down because we gotta just get better
0: you know I think you're very right about that. I think okay. Yeah. Do you want to like I take just a wanted bow? To say, like, <laughs> I like that's like this is the high of my day, is you telling me that <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. I'll remind you that this happened later in case you forgot.
1: Anytime anything bad happens, just be like, remember that time you were Vir- right. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally all I have a Virgo moon. It's all I need. Anyway, you were saying.
0: <laughs> um yeah, this thing that you're saying about the hypervigilance. I mean, it's interesting because like now I think about how hypervigilance can make you sick, but when you're sick, you become more hypervigilant. And, um, and then also like when people are chronically sick, they're often chronically hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is like managing your stress and like love is very stressed. Like falling in love is very, very stressful. And and I was not just like hyper vigilant about what's going in my body and like who I'm around and stuff, but it was like, you know, anyone around me was going to have to also handle this shit that was going on with me. And so that was something that required a lot of trust. And so a lot of people kind of got the boot, like before there was even like the potential for intimacy to blossom. Um, but also, you know, and I think this is something that is a little bit more, um, nebulous is like my career really started to be something that was important to me when I started training to be an intimacy coordinator. And then really during the pandemic, when I started consent with surgery. So all of a sudden where I had never really put much energy at all into my, you know, my career was like non-existent. I was working odd jobs and like you know, trying, but like, I didn't really have a career. I was like aspiring to have a career. And then all of a sudden I had this career that I was very, very proud of and was very much a reflection of me and who I am. And it was extremely important to me. And so all of a sudden I noticed that my attention and my sort of daydreaming and fantasizing had entirely gotten moved over to my career. Oh, so like, instead of being about partnership or sex or whatever, romance, it just, it become, it just
1: got moved to a different, yeah. That's yes.
0: Different. And it was like, I think in part, because that stuff like wasn't really on the table because of everything that I just said, the pandemic, right. and I was sick and blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah. And even, even now, like when I sit down and I'm like, what do I want for the next year of my life? You know, it's like, I have to really, the work stuff comes really easily. Mm. It's it's stuff I think about all the time. And it's stuff that is so exciting to me still, but I have to really consciously divert my energy over to my personal life. Um, Sort of
1: part of being entrepreneurial, I think, is that like we do a lot of our brain is we're more work is a larger part of our life than perhaps maybe somebody who just like goes to a job. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, totally. Clock in and clock out. Like that was something that I had done for most of my life.
1: I wonder too, if that's, I mean, I'm sure there's like developmental things related here too, but I feel like in my twenties, sex, romance, dating was just like way more um, of a priority. Like, and I think, yeah, I wonder too, if there's just part of getting older and being, and sort of awakening to, unfortunately, the way that like money and capitalism works and like my need for security and safety got more intense, I think maybe with getting older. And so I just didn't, in like, creating a career that could be like stabilizing for me.
0: Yes. I, that, I, that hits for me a lot. And I wonder if you relate to this, which is like, there was, for me, there was kind of this idea you were talking about getting attached to ideas. And I think I really had, I had an idea that like if I could sort out my personal life and like a partner, then I could sort out my career. Oh,
1: it's so funny. I've always been the opposite. I've, I've always felt like, oh, once my career, then I can. But you know, that's also because I was acting for so long, and which was just like the fucking golden ring that you, even if you catch it, falls out of your hand. You know what I mean? Right. I, it's such a please, please don't try to be an actor, is my advice, <laughs> if you're listening yeah. to this, or do it for fun. Um, but yeah, like I, I think I struggled with money and with work for so long that it was like. Maybe even dating was just sort of, like, that part was almost easier, like, and fun for me, you know? Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also was in, like, a pretty life-sucking relationship for the majority of my 20s. I'm like, which one? (laughs) Well, there was was one that was, like, acutely traumatizing but brief twice, Mm -hmm. though. It did happen twice with the same person. You mean, like, you went back to this person? Yeah. Yeah. But the other one that was, like, my longest term – and, I mean – you know, it wasn't entirely life sucking. Like I got so much out of that relationship and I have a lot of deep care and love for that person. But, but I was in a caretaker role for the Mm. majority of it in a way that really did take away from me. And, you know, I have some responsibility in that. Like I, I was over giving, I wasn't, um, holding my own boundaries or getting what I needed. Did you know what your boundaries were? I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. But so, um, but wait, you were talking about, oh, the like career, personal life. Yeah, I feel like that something flipped in my 30s where I kind of like let go. I was like, partner will come when partner comes. And my career is like doing a thing right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's like kind of the ball is rolling and I want to keep this ball rolling. And I also um, what was I gonna say? I'm gonna. Just had to pause for, for very loud neighbor and his dog. Um. Wait, we were talking about, oh, 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 this is, and this is what I wonder if like, if you relate to this is like, I think I got to a point where I was like, I'm no longer going to like wait for someone to have someone else in my life before I get the things that I want. Like I want to live alone. I want a dog. I want, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like I want a house. I don't have a house, but like, I'm like in my mind, it's like, I want to be able to, I'm trying to put the, you know, the whatever in place to like be able to do that on my own. And I even, I I'm like ready to have a baby on my own. You know, like these are things that five, 10 years ago, I would have been like, well, you got to wait until like, you got to find a partner first before you can get a house, before you can get a dog, before you can have a kid. And then something really shifted. Where I no longer have that person, like that person no longer is clear, like in mm-hmm. my mind, and you know I'm fully prepared to, yeah, just like do these things on my own, which means that I have to prioritize, continue to prioritize my career, so that I can afford to do these things on my own. Yeah, what I hear you saying
1: is it's like you're sort of designing a life that you enjoy regardless of partnership, instead of sort of like waiting for a partner and then designing life around that dynamic.
0: Yes. And also being like, this is my life that I've built and created. And I'm, I would like to share it with you. Mm-hmm. Not like I can only have this life that I want if you help me or like if you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I wonder, do you think this is also like a socialization thing? Like, I don't know if this feels gendered to me. And I'm wondering if you feel that way. I also know like you grew up in a two family household, right? Which is like, I wonder too, if that's like me. What does that mean? Well, like that your parents are married. Oh, yeah. That like, I wonder if that imparts sort of a like um, framing of relationship as being like foundational to to life or being like, oh, like I want, like a partner is like a big part of what I want. And so like, until I have that, do you know what I mean? Like Yeah.
0: Or- yeah. I mean, I think there's, yes, there's definitely aspects of this that are gendered in in not, The most straightforward way I'll say, because I think a lot of this is also like in reaction to the way that I was socialized around my gender, Mm. you know, that I'm like, I don't actually need someone else to do this stuff for me because I'm going to make the money. Whereas like, that was not really the case in my household. Like my mom was always working, but my dad was making more money. You know, our life- The way that it was and the way that it is was was really possible because of how much money my dad was making. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom, you know, there was a way that I was definitely socialized a lot around how like so my mom was a magazine editor for many years and my dad works in TV as a talent manager. So there were a lot of like very normative beauty standards. Right. I like, and I grew Mm -hmm. up in LA in the time of like Baywatch.
1: Oh God. And then you had to live through like, yeah, the late nineties, early aughts of like, where it was just, everybody was so thin and it was so. Yeah. Right. Like
0: Ali McBeal and, um, yeah. So and heroin chic
1: mm-hmm.
0: in Venice Beach, and then just like the
1: tabloid of explosion of just like Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton, and just like
0: well, and yes, and um, Monica Lewinsky, and mm-hmm. you know all that stuff. Clean, so by the way, I will she's clean. on my own curve. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, I when, did meet. Before- I met her actually once. Okay, we have to talk about just. <laughs> a
1: We're just talking about Monica Lewinsky now. Please talk about the fact that she was twenty-four. 24. I know. I know. I'm like, you, I, I couldn't wipe my own ass when I was 24. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I don't Anyway. So you met Monica Lewinsky?
0: Yes. I is met her on the about set. Yeah. Suddenly <laughs> we're talking about Monica Lewinsky. So I, I met her on the set of Rent, the movie, because my dad had a client in it and she is obsessed with Rent. So oh, she and wow. I have that in common. I was going to say, don't like, should we just just disclose this is, a, that, this is now a podcast about rent this is a podcast about it, the, the, the,
1: the like listening to the rent original soundtrack on cd to yes. like hearing questioning pipeline yeah yes
0: oh 100 percent. i mean i i honestly like you know i don't i i personally don't quite experience the like born this way narrative around like mm-hmm. transness and sexuality mm-hmm. i feel a lot more aligned with the like i kind of felt I, I i believe that i was kind of like predisposed innately p- perhaps born with so to speak a certain amount of like fluidity hmm. and so then followed a line of questioning and it has gotten me to where i am now that's like potentially controversial don't tell anyone at the hrc that i said that <laughs> 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 um, <clears throat> uh, but but rent sometimes I'm like this is everything you see here is like is because I was listening to rent at eight years old in the back of my mom's Mitsubishi okay, so who, which character are you oh I'm which? all I'm all of I'm all of them so this that's how like, you actually know if you're
1: non-binary is like, right it's not who a static character. To most
0: uh yeah. in the in rent yeah um no and actually I got a compliment about that once though it was about the the women where someone, I was like having this conversation with some queer boy, well, two gay boys and a, and a boy who identified as queer. We were having this conversation around, like, you know, identify this was, this was like 10 years ago, but like, how mm-hmm. do you identify? And like, what does it mean? And one of the boys was like, I really like queer because I kind of date all kinds.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: we started talking about rent and what, and he goes, or one of them go, one of the gay ones said like, who do you feel most closely identified with? And I was kind of like, you know, I don't know. And then the queer boy who of course like saw me, you know, like he was like, you're all of them, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) I will never forget. That was like one of the highest compliments. I love that. What's your relationship to rent?
1: (laughs) I'm like, is it really wrong of me to say that there's definitely a little bit of angel in me? There's yeah. a little bit, I, which is so weird to say, but I, um, obviously, and I think I'm maybe more equal parts Maureen uh-huh. and, um, who's the, do you go to the cat scratch? Club? Mimi. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, Mimi's a sex worker yeah, you know, and she's a drug addict and like, that's a big
0: part of my <laughs> yeah. identity
1: too, you know, like, yeah, yeah. but there's just the toxic dikeness of Maureen is very, oh. like she's.
0: She's totally, terrible, but you can't help but love her, and that's I think. Awesome right. Well, and she's a performance artist, and like I really identify with that. Yeah. Um, you I'm know, just like looking activist. for my Joanne. What's right. Activist performance artist. I also feel very aligned with Joanne, the kind of like um, you know lawyer justice oriented, like I that jo- spurned lover, like that kind of thing. I forgot that Joanne was a lawyer, but
1: I have like such a lawyer kink that it's like mm. this. I'm like I. So I think about. I don't know that I am like genetically predisposed. Dis- dis- <laughs> it's it's kicking the subspace is kicking in. This the makeout hangover is real. I can't form a goddamn sentence. Um, but I I so I don't know if that's like genetic in me or whatever. There's not a lot of queer people in my family. The running joke in my family is I'm one of five kids, and I'm always like, "Where are you? Well, who else is going to come out?
0: I mean." No. I- This is like the thing about ancestors that I think about a lot of times is like, we don't know that they're queer, but that's not that does not mean that they're queer. And then like part of I think my like purpose on Earth is to like live out the queer artist life that my ancestors didn't feel that they could have.
1: Yeah, I think like my mom definitely said Something to me, she's sort of said a couple things to me, and we're basically the same person. I just have had a lot more therapy. um, but I always think that my mother would probably have been a lesbian if she knew that she could be a pillow princess, like I think, yeah,, yeah, you don't know, you know, like yeah,
0: yeah, you don't have to like play like like use power tools and like,
1: yeah, you don't even have you or... don't have to strap up, I don't ever strap up, you know yeah. I'm
0: I'm like <laughs> i I'm like trying to come up with like lesbian stereotypes, and I'm like, I don't even know.
1: Yeah, but I think, I, you know, I went to a summer camp for 10 summers that was, like, very, most of the counselors were, like, Vermont, Gen X, gender non-conforming lesbians who, like, spelled woman with a Y. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of nannies, like, gay male nannies growing mm-hmm. up, very mm-hmm. effeminate. And my mom was really involved in HRC in the early 90s. So I think oh. there was, like, a lot of exposure to, like, queerness or get. But also, at the time, it was very, like, I came out to my mom as bi when I was 11, and she was, like... Um, oh, I said, what would you, what would you say if I was gay? And she said, I'd love and accept you no matter what. And I said, well, what would you say if I told you I was bisexual? And she said, well, I would tell you, you were a selfish homewrecker who wants everyone for themselves.
0: What?
1: I love my mother so much. Like as a joke? No, well, completely so much biphobia in the early nineties. Yeah. (laughs) Your face right now. Oh my God. You look like I just threw a rock by your head. You're so aghast. But this was very... Because, like, I'm 39. You know, you're 34? Yeah. Yeah. So the, I, this was, like, a thing in the early 90s. It was, like, very anti-bisexual. Um, I know.
0: I mean, I do know that. know that. I remember also last year watching um, Ally McBeal. And there's, like, a video of me uh, that I recorded because I just was, like, so much in disbelief that... I, it's on my personal Instagram. But, like of Ally McBeal, like, having a really deep and exciting connection with this guy. I don't remember the actor's name, but then he, like, tells her that he's bi, and she just cannot get the fuck over it, and she breaks up with him. And I'm just sitting there like, are you fucking kidding me? Also, like, as a person who, I mean, I I no longer really date cis men. I, I'm, I'm saying, I don't want to say never, just because whatever, but, like... Anomalies prove the Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, as a person who has... I, I, I date, I, when I, even until recently for the last several years, like when I was still dating CIS men, I wouldn't date straight CIS men. I would only date queer CIS men. And I also like, wasn't interested in CIS men who call themselves queer. Cause they date like CIS women and like a non-binary people. So I was like, if you are, if you suck dick, <laughs> we can, we can date. That's your, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But Poor Allie McBeal know that in my humble opinion, bisexual
0: men are like the best. Oh my God. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Like what a way to miss out on the great pleasures of life.
1: Yeah. A fool. Yeah. Foolish choice. But yeah, anyway, uh, I don't know what the crap we were talking about. Oh, just I wonder too, like how much of um my like I very much identify as queer and I tend to, you know, I, as you also know, uh identify somewhat ironically as a chaser i mostly date mm-hmm. gender nonconforming people and um i wonder how much of that was influence or how much of that was in me especially as like a hypergendered person do you know what i mean so yeah
0: yeah when you date you do date the t boys i love i yeah. love yeah i can't yeah I'm, yeah um, yes, you know, I know the he, him coming out of your mouth can be very confusing. It's very confusing to people. They're literally, even last night, someone like, was what like, what do you mean people. you're
1: gay? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would call myself a dyke and a lesbian. And then they're like, like, no, I mean it in like the seventies, toxic lavender menace way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, Uh, what are we even talking about? I don't know. Thank God you're here because I could, there's no way I can top this conversation. Well, it's amazing
0: because we, we completely skirted around everything that we said that we were going to talk about today, which is fine. Classic. Um, you know what I want to, okay. I feel like here's where I want to go. You can veto this, but, um, out of, out of our conversation about rent, Sorry for anyone who was relieved that we <laughs> moved on. But it's not, it's not really about rent. I just want to, what I want to deal with right now is like the be-do thing uh, uh. for queer people. Because I think there was like, like now looking at rent as a person who is like fully identifying as, you know, gender non-conforming, trans, and like it's not just the girls in that mo- in that show that I can like see myself in. I do really see myself in. Mark and Roger, I'd say primarily as like, you know, I'm not a filmmaker, but I'm a storyteller. I'm a writer. And then I'm now a musician. And I think like something that I've noticed at, like, I used to almost exclusively date musicians and like, I would start dating someone and then find out they were a musician. Um, see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like I was like seeking out musicians, you know, and then now that I've started making music like I and I it's like still hard for me to say but like I'm a musician I'm like an actual musician wait um, Mia, what do you do I'm a musician how'd it feel it still feels like a lot like it's like what does that mean like I'm not a whatever I'm a musician okay. I make music I put out actual EPs and I'm writing a musical
1: as an aside to our audience I've seen Mia play oh, yeah Yes, I saw Mia play like just on whatever on like I went to a party and people were playing music. There were a bunch of musicians there, and you played. And I was like, you know, you want your friends to be good at something, and you're also like, I will love them even if they're cringy as <laughs> fuck. me, is actually like really good, and I also saw their musical. It was really good. I promise. i I would say that if you weren't here, if I was just talking to myself, to an audience of people, <laughs> just to be clear. Thank
0: you. Well, mm-hmm. so the the be do thing is like now that I'm a musician. Now that I'm a musician, I no longer date musicians because I, I have gotten, I literally the other day, like changed clothes, looked in the mirror and was like, whoa. Cause I was like, I am my ex. Like I am you right now. And I, I think he's trans, which is this whole other thing, but but anyway also, the, it's also a be do maybe yeah right totally totally yes where he was like obsessed with tank girl I feel like any trans girl oh. listening right now is like he's trapped
1: yeah no <laughs> <laughs> and you're like yeah and he just really wanted to play like really intense uh fantasy board games with me all the time and and, and was always on twitch you're like
0: <laughs> yeah you're right yeah right and yeah and like anytime he got the chance on state where it would be like you know quote unquote socially acceptable he would like wear no no shirt and a bra like he would like borrow my bras to like wear on stage and um you know let me do his makeup and like would wear his hair and like pink bra- and I'm like you know anyway so I feel like I have now become the boys that I used to want to date and so now I'm no longer seeking out the stuff that I want myself like yeah. in the people that I'm dating it's like the, are we
1: dating it, the word that comes to mind is like supplementally. Like, are we supplementing? Yeah. Like, I have to take vitamin D three because like white people can't assimilate some. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have to supplement that vitamin for myself. Like, am I supplementing things in my life or characteristics that actually like I would just like to integrate? I think the way that shows up for me is like I, lo- you know, I'm whatever. I love a daddy. I love a provider. Love someone with a real like career job, lawyers, you know, that kind of like that really does it for me. And I think, you know, now I'm back in school and like mm-hmm. building this career mm-hmm. despite myself Um, and becoming, you know, it's this, this expression, like be your own daddy. I don't know. There's like something there where it's like, oh, actually like, what would it be like if I was that energy in my own life? you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. And then the question is, well, what do, then what do I need a partner for? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, but then it's like, then it's because you want a partner, right? It's because you found someone who loves and supports you like emotionally and who complements and supplements your life in, in, in a way that like makes you, you know, greater than the sum of your parts together, as opposed to like, well you, I don't have these things.
1: Right. And I think I was very socialized, probably in part because I my parents were divorced and my mom was like um, you know, a, a gold digger and a second wife. Like I I mean, and I say that with love. I I, I my mother is absolutely batshit shit crazy, but she's if Jennifer Coolidge and um Martha Stewart had mm-hmm. a child, that's my mom. Um
0: and we have the same birthday.
1: Yes. You, which is, I mean, not yeah. just astrology, but really says a lot, um, a lot of people are different. Um, but yeah, like I was very much raised that like, um, um, a man, you know, you marry well to make sure that you're safe and taken care of. And your job is to be beautiful and charming at parties and good at sex. And well, you man. are all those things also. Yes. Through like a very vigorous, indoctrination process I am those Mm -hmm. things and I what I come up against a lot in relationships is like if this person isn't like like traditional gender roles and like isn't the person who takes care of me financially um then like what what are we doing here Mm. it's interesting because I I I literally only realized like a year ago that I was like I actually don't want to be financially dependent on somebody and I had a lot of dating in my especially I think with cis men in case that wasn't obvious they're a lot more um, comfortable with this dynamic um that was like me leveraging those qualities that were so trained in me in order to get financial security and safety and then sex was sort of something I did for them um not that I didn't necessarily enjoy it sometimes but it was more like my contribution which is I'm I was so that was so taught to me that that's just what heterosexuality is that I was like well the fact that this doesn't like make me melt every time is maybe just what part of being a woman is. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm just really fucking gay.
0: Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Completely. Yeah. Completely. I was going to ask you something about that. I don't remember, but it, it did remind me of something that I was, that we were talking about the other day that I think I told you I remember being on the subway with my dad in New York and him saying to me that he and my mom didn't want me to declare visual art as my major because they didn't want me dependent on a man. Oh, this is what I didn't say though about my mom. Like my mom not only was a magazine editor, but she wrote a recurring column called the how to do anything better guide So she truly thought, and all of this, by the way, a lot of this was about like homemaking etiquette and how to be attractive to men. Mm. So there was a lot of indoctrination that I got as a kid that was like, you know, well, like these are the things that men find attractive and these are things that men don't find attractive. Um, You know, don't you want to put on some lipstick? What are we going to do about the hair on your upper lip? My mom thought she was doing the best thing a mother could do, which was like get it lasered off for me. And now I just have this like bald, splotchy mustache um, that I've been very carefully trying to regrow with Vagamore. I put the like brow. Oh, that, yeah, that I, um, my eyelash
1: you put on your mustache, which is what we have to gender today.
0: Right. Um, but yeah, so this idea of like, we don't want you to study art because we don't want you to dependent on a man. And I ended up minoring in visual art and majoring in philosophy, (laughs) which is like, I don't know that that's any better. Uh,
1: Yeah, I wanted to go to school for acting. My parents were like, how about creative writing as a compromise? Okay,
0: Okay. yeah, that will be so much better. (laughs) But I think you were saying that, like, when I told you that, we just ended up having a, like, whole winding conversation, I think, around, like, that kind of, you know, I don't know what they would say now about that.
1: About this thing of, like, not being dependent on a man. It's, it's funny too. Cause I'm just like, well, yeah. Or also don't be dependent on us. You know, this, this thing of like, yeah. you know, like, um, like your, your, your parents come to America and they are merchants or they, they work like 15 jobs so that their kid can become a doctor. And then that kid has the fine art major kid, you
0: know what right, I mean? <laughs> like, right. That's the American dream. That's
1: the American dream. So it's like, yeah, the grandchildren are the like artists. And it's, and I, I think it's funny because your parents are like, no, like we're, we're stable, but we're not like,
0: you know, we don't have that kind of, we don't have our kid can be art, an artist kind of money. Exactly.
1: Like you're going to need to work, babes.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and I said that to you at one point where I was like, how rich do your parents need to be in order for you to be an artist? And you were like, like, so, so rich. Like you have, you know, but, but interestingly, I think, you know, and like your acting training has served you really well. I mean, just like, if you think about like the ease with which you were able to teach class on Wednesday from a public speaking standpoint, let's say, or like being, you know, eyes on you kind of way. And um, the way that you're able to like pick up your phone and like make a reel and just not be concerned with like, uh-oh, like what do I do with my hands? You know what I mean? Like, because, and and I feel the same way. Like I studied acting for so many years and it served me so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it gives... Me a particular lens into consent stuff because I see so many parallels there around like being present and listening and reacting honestly and not having a plan of how you want the conversation to go. You know, like all of those to me are really big.
1: Yeah, Um, not needing to do somebody else's work for like not being invested in how you're perceived as much as like doing your part. The truth.
0: right? Right. And like conveying the truth. You know, I might be ugly as shit when I cry, but like I'm conveying some real emotion. And then, you know, like my, my philosophy background, I totally see that in what I do, like in terms of the writing and the way that I speak about what I do. And then the visual art, I'm like, you know, look at the, my Instagram, look no further, you know, and then like, and my website and, and, and then things like, you know, bringing this work and these themes into a book and into a pilot and into a musical to, to, what I see as like reach the masses on a wider to reach a wider audience who's not so interested in the heady like kind of academic you know version of this, but rather can absorb it through art. And I think of art a little bit as like a Trojan horse for for education. I yeah, that's my preferred type of art. I like
1: when yeah, it's like hmm. You yeah. know, oh. postmodern stuff. Yeah.
0: Right. And I like stuff to be really beautiful and I like stuff to be thought provoking. So anyway, you know, I think that the ways that I ended up taking that path that perhaps someone may have been concerned was going to leave me reliant on what man I don't no you know where, sorry where is this <laughs> god yeah. the men you have sent to be providers are oh my god they've all been <laughs> broke ass musicians like yeah yeah no I mean that that was never I don't think that was ever gonna happen gay or not you know um but yeah and then like my gender often presents as like I want to be your boyfriend like mm-hmm. I don't want to be I don't like being a girlfriend I I would Much prefer to be a boyfriend, which also means that I do really want to like buy you dinner and like shower you with gifts and worship you. And then, like, I actually need money to do that. So I'm going to work really hard. And then, like, I also have wanted for a long time, like, if I date someone and they want to be a stay at home parent, I'm like, I want to make that possible for you. Well, this is the running thing we talk about too, where it's like,
1: where is my wife? Like, I'm sitting in my house right now looking at my dirty dishes and the laundry I need to put away. And I'm like, yeah. I like, I need another set of hands around here and I don't, oh, i yeah. working. I like having a career. Like there is part of me that is that, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't need someone to like full-time take over those tests, but I would eat, like a little help. This is, and it all comes back to the, the mom,
1: Yoon or the, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Her yeah. Her yeah. Her the lesbian parents. commune of, yeah, I have, um, a cis straight, I don't know if he's straight actually, but he primarily dates women who was talking to me about um, his wife and his girlfriend and how his fantasy is he would love to have a child. And he was like, Kim, can they just come live in the same house and we can raise the baby together? Wonder, and kind of posing it to me as like, is that like misogynistic or something? I was like, no, No. it's actually like really unfair that we expect women to raise, would typically women to raise babies in like isolation. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think that's misogynistic. I think the history that we see of that is misogynistic and patriarchal. But I think if we're really working towards like consent and autonomy and what that means for polyamory, then like the gender shouldn't really be the issue.
1: Yeah, and I think in framing it in consent is interesting because if you're just sharing the load, <laughs> eh. you're spreading literally the labor of child raising out among other people. It allows space for them to have more of their own needs, more of their own yeah. that aren't just about serving this right. type woman, you know? Right. Do you have a, a be do? Well, I guess you kind of talked about it. Yeah, so my like, because my... I feel like I'm very attracted to other like that's very yeah. much, you know, I, I joke about the fact it took me so long to like understand my sexuality because when I was in like late middle school, all the, the girls I was playing soccer with were like obsessed with Sarah
0: Michelle Geller. And I was like, right. And- Buffy is a classic B do, especially like watching Buffy as a trans allegory brings mm. up a lot of that.
1: Yeah. And there was a lot of like, because I'm not primarily I, I definitely wasn't at the time I'm not primarily attracted to femme presenting people that like in is in a cisgendered way I would say especially yeah. like I was like I got a lot of feedback that and this was through my 20s too that like you're not gay like you're not queer right. because you don't like you don't hop- like
0: girls right right you don't like girly and hop- boobs
1: yeah do, I boobs do nothing for me yeah I'm
0: honestly also like kind of indifferent I mean some I like I like boobs but yeah. I'm not like drooling over.
1: It. You're not like a huge boob. Yeah. I mean, no, boob... I love butts. Like I you're I, more
0: I've... Like a butt person. Yeah. Like when people are like, are you a butt guy or a boob guy? I'm like, butts. I yeah. Love, butts.
1: Literally a question I ask as a stripper a lot before I give a lap dance, I like, I'll sit them down and be like, are you a boob guy or a butt guy? Because which way are you going to face? Because I'm either going to give them more ass or I'm going to motorboat them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I cater the experience to the client. That's why I'm good at my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Front or back. Yeah. So be or do, be do doesn't really happen that much for me. I would say sometimes, sometimes the way it shows up for me, which is maybe more like straight coded is that like sometimes I'll meet a woman and I'll be kind of like, oh, I fucking hate this bitch. And then I realize it's because I, I really like her. Like, to, yeah. like it's more integrated now. But when I was younger, if somebody was like, like a woman was very strong and kind of aggressive and had a lot of opinions and was like maybe a little fabulous. That's how my beauty shows up. And it's not really like it's more like hate B. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I like you. And it's like, oh no, because I want to want what you BDU. have. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that you're attracted to other. I feel like I'm very attracted to like um similar. Like I mm-hmm. like I like a balance of gender. Mm-hmm. And because I'm kind of in terms of presentation, like, you know, somewhat mask leaning but like I float around mm-hmm. and I like to wear a dress from time to time and mm-hmm. some makeup. Would you consider yourself androgynous?
1: Is I that guess so that?
0: I mean I feel like that's like one of those things where it's kind of like someone else can objectively just like call sure. me that because that's what I look like. Yeah it's like not like in- an internal word it's more like you no know, yeah I mean I feel my gender to be very fluid I think you know for better or for worse like a lot of people who have bodies like mine even when you're presenting more masks like you just look like quote unquote like a woman in menswear you know what I mean so it's like it doesn't necessarily read as gender non-conforming even though like I feel like I'm presenting more so mask, if I like- my yeah for me I definitely like
1: boyish is the word that I I feel like suits you. And you, you've said that too about feeling like a boy. Like I,
0: yeah, I don't ever really see you as like a woman. No, I don't don't really (laughs) feel that way. I mean, when I, when I look like that, because of what I'm wearing, it feels like I'm, you know, it's like a special occasion or like kind of in drag. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I dressed up as Buffy for this vampire party where I ended up making out with someone And interestingly, I think sometimes, you know, when I meet new people and I'm presenting very femme, and especially if they're attracted to me, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, are they going to be not attracted to me when they see me like how I normally look? But this was a trans girl, so I, like, didn't worry about that for a second. And she's been calling me a hot boy, and it's been very cute and fun. Wait a second. So- yeah, I find like, I think it's interesting because like, it seems like you're almost attracted to balance in a sense, but that for you, because you're so high femme, that means someone like pretty, pretty mask.
1: Yeah. Often it's, it's, it's often like really masky. Um, and I have like dated, um, trans women who are like very femmy and I think I, what I, cause I've tried to figure it out too, but I think there's like, it's gender queerness is a thing. Yeah. Really? Yeah, even,
0: like, I'm attracted he, to that too.
1: Yeah, I was briefly dating this cis boy and he was so fucking queer and like hyper-gendered, you know, but also like was like very feminine in a lot of ways too in his presentation, even though he was like this big yoke muscle boy, like mm-hmm. like wear mascara and stuff. And so I, I don't know exactly what well, it cause is.
0: Because you, you like occupy poles, mm. you know? Whereas like I'm not even I often like don't even find myself super attracted to like cis passing trans boys because mm-hmm. I'm because I'm just I'm very into like the the middle like that's yeah. I like androgyny and I like gender nonconformity and I like um like okay so I was I've been watching Ugly Betty it's from 2007 I've been cracking <laughs> up at like the horrendous treatment of trans women um uh, by both the writers and the people on the show and then you know how they try to show like people who are doing it quote unquote, right. Versus like people who aren't, it's kind of amazing. Just as like a time capsule, but Rebecca Romaine, who is like a tall bombshell of a cis woman is playing a trans woman. Oh my God. That's wild. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's so, I mean, whatever. I, I've been enjoying watching it. I could talk about it, but what, what the reason why I brought it up is because, you know, when I, when I see her playing this character and she's playing a trans woman, I'm attracted to her. And I'm like, she's so hot. Like, Oh that's my God. And then as soon as I remember that she's a cis woman, I'm like, Oh, like whatever. She's so generic looking. Like she's really beautiful, but like, who cares? Like, right. that's how my, like, I'm so not attracted. I'm really hardly ever attracted to cis people. I know I'm the same way. It's weird. Yeah.
1: I think it's weird for me. Cause I am cis. Like I'm like, yeah, you, I think you've said cis ish. I, you I, I said like, cis, cis, cis. Yeah, I got an ex who said that. Like, you think about your own gender way too much to actually be cis. But like, I would, I don't identify as trans. Like,
0: well, you get all. mistaken for a trans girl
1: <laughs> frequently. I do. Yeah, but I'm so short. I don't know how people would think that. I mean, yeah. there are short trans girls. That's true. Yeah, but I'm like, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I'm attracted to like hyper genderedness. That's a term that I had an ex who was like, I really identify as a trans guy, and he was like, I really feel hyper gendered. And sometimes Mm -hmm. within that space, I play with with what that means. Like I'll pop on some femi attributes, sort of to just like keep it cheeky. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's that tends to be who I'm attracted to is people where there's like a there's a queerness in the gender, but it's a hyper presentation. That's usually yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I know it's really interesting. Like when I'm still occasionally attracted to cis boys it's because like we dress the same you know it's like Um, because like we look the same
1: we have the same haircut
0: we have the same like
1: yeah I remember you sending me a picture you pulled off hinge or something where I was like Mia that's you like that's really just you and I I yeah I don't have that thing where I'm attracted to people that look like me like I don't really you know what I mean like if I had an ex who was blonde and I was it was I was like we're Barbie and Skipper like she was so tall um and she was blonde and I was like we kind of look alike this is so weird and then she dyed her hair red and I was like now I'm really into you do you know mm. what I mean um mm-hmm. yeah I had something else to say but we were just talking about oh I'm thinking about. Someone you collaborated with musically who we met at a party. Oh, who I thought was trans. We we're both like, this boy has to be trans because he was like, it was so queer coded. Like he was just yes. like quitting his job to be a yoga teacher.
0: Right. Quitting his band to be a yoga teacher. His giant dog that he shares with his ex. He, I later found out he drives a Subaru. Yeah. I was, I was like, like, this like- boy is trans. And, but then I, and, and I like, I felt such a strong connection, you know, and then like sort of, discovered that he was cis and it just evaporated risden it just evaporated like it was bizarre i've never felt anything like that before it just was like sucked out and like i was i mean and we're we're friends like i just hung out with him the other day our dogs are friends we went to the dog park and i adore him like he's so sweet he's so kind he's so thoughtful um definitely like lesbian vibes which he also like admits oh yeah 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 it's, well, I mean, was, not admits, like, he says, like, yeah, I've always, like, felt very aligned with, like, that kind of, those tropes. I have a client right now
1: that the first time I was with him, which I was offered as a gift to him for a birthday present, I um, realized, I was like, you're kind of a lesbian. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, like, I don't know, it's just something, it's funny how that yeah. is.
0: I know. Well, and, you know, there's, like, I mean, we have to wrap up, but I really could. Okay, what like, we talked about? I don't know, but like, there's a the character on the L Word who I, who is like a male-identifying lesbian.
1: It's oh like, yes, guy, I remember.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was on my so-called Dated life. Alice. He plays the cut. Yeah, yeah. So he dates Alice, and you know, and then looking back on that 20 years later, it's like this is so fucked up. But really, now I'm like, a lot of I I think that a lot of those guys are trans. They're trans girls, like, and you know, I've I've dated quite a few people where I'm like, oh, the reason we were having queer sex, even though you were like identifying as a cis man is because you were trans. And you know, some, a lot, several people that I've dated who like at the time were identifying as cis men have come out as trans. And then I think there's like a lot of there, you know, it's a thing. There's like like men who date lesbians basically, like men who want to date lesbians, you know? And I've dated quite a few of those. And I think that a lot of them are lesbians. Well,
1: this is like a thing. And yes, we can wrap up. But I have this thing too, where I'm like, beware dating apps. I tell people this a lot because I'm like, God is just going to put you on mission. You know what I mean? Like where people are like Mormon and they like get sent on mission to like go make other people Christian. I'm like, that's what God will do with you. Like, like you know, in 12 step, there's a lot of like, you're getting sent on mission. Like you're just going to go date people. And they're all going to be like, I think I need to get sober. And you're going to be like, where's my husband. I'm just meeting people who need to get sober. Or like, maybe your version of that is like, you might be. And I, you know, one of my running jokes is to date me is to get top surgery. Like I, the amount of dating me as a pipeline for you're actually a boy.
0: Well, and my, right. And mine is kind of the opposite where I think, and I've, and I've been even explicitly told, like, I was hoping that you would essentially like Sherpa me into queer community. And I'm like, no, thank you. No, thank you. That is not the job. Like I'm trying to find my love. I'm looking for love. I'm not looking to hold your hand as you find yourself.
1: Right, but that should be a service someone should offer is be like, I right, you can hire sure. me. Too. Which I've done with some clients. I've had some female clients that are like, I think I'm gay. And I'm like, baby, why would you be paying to be here if you weren't a little gay? But sure, let's yeah. find out,
0: you know? <laughs> right, right. Also, what is it to find out? I don't know. I like Have a I don't positive
1: know. formative experience. I, don't I know. guess.
0: Anyway, okay, to be continued, we we gotta wrap it up. All right, fine. Yeah.
1: Bye. Oh, yeah. I love you, bye.